Um, okay, so last time I was here, I talked about um, the concept of being in Adam and being in Christ, and uh, the idea that that we are, as a human race, are in Adam um, from the time of birth, so that everything that Adam, all that all that Adam is, all that all that he has, uh, the consequences of his sin, those became our consequences because we were in him. And then in the same way, um, that, that applies to Christ, so that everything that Christ accomplished, we are also in Christ, so that everything that is Christ becomes ours. Um, so Adam basically lost all spiritual capacity because of his sin. So uh, relationship with God, the, the freedom to eat of the tree of life, which represents Christ. Um, uh, free access just to that relationship with God. Um, Adam basically lost spiritual completeness, and he was just spiritually, him and Eve in the garden after their fall, they were spiritually naked. And, and because we are in Adam, we are all spiritually naked in him. But because of Christ, because of what Christ has done, now we are in Christ, and we have all that, that uh, Christ has accomplished. That's ours. So that's kind of what I talked about uh, last time I was here, and I kind of want to go um, into that a little bit deeper and just focus a little bit more on specifically what it is that Christ has done and what it is that we have in him, um, and hopefully apply that a little bit and show a little bit of how that actually works and how that actually affects our lives. And it's not just this bizarre, high, lofty spiritual concept, but this actually will change our lives, will, get, will give us freedom, uh, power, joy, victory over sin. Um, so 2 Corinthians 5, uh, starting at verse uh, 14, Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Uh, so right here again, you see that same concept where it says one died for all, and so all died. So because Jesus died for our sakes, in a sense, we died at the same time he died. When he died to, to pay for our penalty, um, he was doing it for us, so we, we were dying with him. We were, we were paying that penalty at the same time he was. Um, so it, it's just that idea of being united with Christ. You're seeing that here. Um, and then if you look over at, uh, just keep going, and 16. Um, so he says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the, to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, you see here in verse, uh, verse 16, Paul says, From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I think what he's trying to get into and what I want to kind of focus on today is, 
is what we have in Christ. Um, um, we have, I think this is, this is going to be a lot of review, but we, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Human beings are three-part people. So our souls, our, our minds and emotions, our desires, our wills. Our spirit is that, that hidden inner person that, that we cannot see. Um, and then our bodies, which is this, this physical stuff that we do see. Um, what the Bible teaches, what the New Testament teaches, is that when Jesus, when, when he finished his work on the cross, and when he resurrected, and when he gave us his spirit, what he did was he, he, he made our spirits alive, that, that inner part of us, that, the, the part of us that's the most true part of who we are, um, that was dead, is spiritually dead, again, because of what we had inherited from Adam. When Christ did what he did, he put, he put his life in our spirits. Um, Ephesians 1 says that uh, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, and then in Colossians 2, he says that we have been made complete in Christ. It says God has put all of his fullness in Christ, and then he's put Christ in us so that every spiritual thing that we will ever need, we don't have to look in the future and hope that someday have that, to someday attain that, that someday we're going to get victory over sin, but, but now we have it. it. It's a past event. When we're saved, he's put everything in our spirit man. Um, so he's made our spirit completely alive. He's made our spirit completely new, um, as you see here. Uh, in verse 17, Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. <clears throat> so he's saying that we are, we are completely new. Um, <clears throat> and what I'm finding in my own life and myself is that I don't, I don't recognize that a lot. I don't, um, I don't do what Paul says here. He says, We regard no one according to the flesh. So what he's saying is, because Christ has made every, every follower of Christ a new creation, because he's put that newness in their spirits, we don't look at the old person who they, they used to be anymore. We don't, even when they're still struggling, we don't see them as being that person. We see, we see who they are in Christ. We look at that. We, look, we don't look at, you know, this guy is struggling with, with lust or, or this guy is struggling with pride. We don't look at that. Yes, that's bad. Yes, we're, we're praying for him, him to be sanctified and, and to have that, that attitude and those, those sinful things completely removed from him. But we're looking at, um, Paul's saying, we're looking at who he is, um, who he's been made in the spirit. So I think this is a concept that if we really start to grasp it, as I'm starting to barely grasp it, and, and I've, I know I barely know anything about this, but... Um, I think this is, this is the way to, to freedom and victory and, and what Jesus was talking about when he said, I've come to give life and, and that more abundantly. Um, when we start to, to understand that we're complete, that, that we're already sons of God, we're already children of light, apart from anything we're going to do or, or, or any effort that we have to put forth, um, then we can actually start to live like children, to live like children of God, sons of God. Um, if, if, uh, if you have two sons who live in the same house, and, and the, say an older son and a younger son, and the, the younger son, his whole life, the older son is always telling him he was adopted, 
he's not really a real son. He's not, he's not, really, uh, he's not really his father's child. Even though he is, he is truly his father's child, he can start to believe that I'm not, I'm not really a real son. I'm, not, I'm, I'm adopted. And if he starts to believe those things about himself, what he believes about himself is going to completely um, uh, control how he thinks, how he looks at, at reality, how he responds to his father, how he responds to circumstances around him. Um, and in the same way, if, if we are living our lives thinking of ourselves, not as sons, but we're thinking of ourselves as sinners, as strugglers, as failures, as uh, e- even, even if we have specific sins that maybe we're struggling with and, and we're having difficulty overcoming, if we're, if we're struggling against those things, then we're children of God. And even in the midst of that, um, when we're struggling with those sins, we're struggling with things, maybe attitudes, uh, again, maybe pride, maybe... Uh, anger, maybe bitterness toward people. Um, we, can, we can have a, a reoccurring pattern of struggling with those things, and we can start to think of ourselves as being defined by those struggles. So we start to think, okay, because I'm always struggling with a bad attitude, and, and I don't want it there, I'm fighting it, and I, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord to overcome it, but I'm still struggling with it. And so you start to think, okay, so I just, must be, I just must be a prideful sinner. I just must be an angry sinner, you know, and, and you start to make that your identity. You start to make a prideful sinner your identity, and you start to lose sight of, no, even though I'm struggling with this because of Jesus' work, I'm a righteous son of God. Um, so I think that us believing the truth about ourselves produces in us the, uh, the righteousness, the righteous desires, and it produces in us the power and the victory over those sins. So um, Faith said this, this to me a long time ago, is, is I think before we were married, but um, she had been reading through Romans 6. And, uh, and then we were talking later that day, I think it was the same day, and she is sitting there and she's like, you know, I think that most of our sin issues, most of our sin struggles are identity issues. And, and that just hit me so hard because that is so true that when I'm struggling with, with sins and I'm just battling and, and this, these emotions and these desires, whatever they are that's just filling me and I'm not finding victory over them, what's happening there is I've lost sight of who I am in Christ. And, and what Faith was saying is that the issue isn't even necessarily the sin. The temptation that I think the devil gets us into is to see, okay, I'm struggling with bitterness right now. I'm struggling with a lack of love for people. I'm struggling with lust. So I got to start fighting this sin. I got to get in a war. I got to, I got to try to, to not sin anymore instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you that you've already in the past, as a past event, you have dealt with my sin. You've already made me a son of God. And then our minds start to be renewed and and our minds start to think um, again according to the truth of who we are and we stop thinking of ourselves as these weak, struggling, uh, uh, angry, prideful people, but we start to think, I'm a a child of God. I have the righteousness of Christ. I am completely uh, free to go to God right now as his son. And as we start to know that, as we start to understand that and to have our minds renewed in that knowledge, um, we start to think 
like, like sons think. We start to think and desire, and suddenly those, those issues, those struggles of pride or, or idolatry or whatever it is that we, we're just not finding victory over, suddenly as we start to just rest in our, our identity in Christ, those desires start to, to be put in their place. And that sin, um, that sin in us we find is dead, is, is, is dead with Christ, and we find that, that his new life, his, his resurrection life when he raised from the dead, that that life is working in us. Um, so uh, keep, keep going on. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So this is, I think this is what the confusion that, that I have a lot of the time is, is because I see these verses that say I'm a new creation I'm, I have God's righteousness. Um, if you go on here, it says that Jesus was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So it's accurate for me to say that I am the righteousness of God because of Christ. Um, but that's confusing to me because I can say that. I can read all these things. I can read that I'm, I have completeness in Christ. I can read in Romans 6, which Faith read, that that I've died with Christ, I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to God, but then I can walk out of this building and, and some jerk cuts me off in traffic and, and, and just anger and, and bitterness rises up in me. So why is that? And the reason is because, again, we're, we're a three-part person. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Um, our spirit is completely perfect. It, it's as righteous as God is. It's as perfect and free from sin as God is, um, as Christ is, because it's Christ who is living in us. That can't change. Um, that's completely independent of our performance, how, of how good we're doing. That stays the same. That never changes. But then we have a soul, and that, that's our mind again. It's our mind, our will, our emotions, and that's in the process of being changed. That's what sanctif- sanctification is, to where it's where our soul is beginning to put on this, this newness. It's beginning to clothe itself, in a sense, and this, this new person that we are. So the truest part of who we are is that, that new person, that, that, that uh, person who's been made alive with Christ. That's who we are in our spirit. But we still have this, this part of us, our soul, that needs to be saved. And as long as we're alive, even, even Paul in Philippians, he says, I'm still pressing forward, to, to attain to, to becoming more like Christ, to putting on more of who Christ is. And um, so our souls are in that process of putting on that newness. Um, in different places, I think like Colossians, Paul talks about put off the old man and to put on the new man. So it, it just gives that sense of putting on Christ like, like clothes. And uh, again, I think that this reality is so important to grasp. I know a lot of this, again, is, is probably review and, and stuff you guys know, but I think just having this in our minds, even, even when we're in the middle of struggle, it's so easy to struggle with sin and then just, just fall off a cliff into this place of guilt and discouragement and think, man, I just, maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe I'm just a disobedient failure or you know, I must be in rebellion instead of recognizing, okay, I still have this soul that needs to be saved but at the same time, um, I might be struggling, but I'm, I'm completely righteous in Christ. So I think that this concept is so important um, to, 
to have victory and to have freedom over sin. Um, and until we grasp it, um, I, I think we're going to struggle more. And as we start to really grasp this, it really does produce freedom. Um, so, so this is, this is uh, what Christ has given us. This is our inheritance in Christ, part of our inheritance in Christ is that he's given us a new identity. So if I said nothing else today, the main thing I want everybody to take away and myself to take away is that this truth that we are no longer defined by who we are. We're no longer defined by even the, the struggles, the sin struggles that we, we, we uh, are often struggling with, even currently. That doesn't define who we are. Um, if, if a person has had a, a huge failure in the past, maybe a, a long period of time of just rebellion and sin, they could, they could start to think that that defines who they are. And, and we can start to almost see ourselves as being handicapped before the Lord. Like we have a spiritual handicap. Like, yes, I'm forgiven. Yes, I know God's going to maybe one day give me more freedom from sin. But right now I'm just kind of I'm just kind of, I'm lacking something, you know. You just feel like because I'm struggling with this, I'm lacking something. And, and it almost gets us into this place of trying to, to work to become spiritually complete before God. Um, but again, Paul would say, Jesus would say, no, you, have, you are already complete. Apart from anything, anything you're going to do, apart from any performance, a past event, Jesus' death and resurrection is finished work. He has made you complete. So learning to draw from that, learning to, um, in the middle of, of struggle, in the middle of sin, in the middle especially, I think, of, of guilt and condemnation coming upon us from ourselves or from the enemy, is learning to stop and, and stop those thoughts, um, stop, stop having conversations with the enemy about how worthless and, and how, how much of a failure you are. Yes. Yes, do it. I just I was reading uh, yesterday a sermon on both going through different books on sodium and how writers talking about those who make it possible, at least strive to live, completely sanctified sinless lives. And he said they they keep that. Yep. So you're saying when, when we sin, instead of acknowledging that before the Lord, confessing it, and then receiving his grace and, 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 and acknowledging, yes, I've sinned, but what you've done covers me, we try to cover that up. And we try to do something to, to deal with that sin ourselves, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think, I think that's the... Uh, the state of the Adam race is we're constantly trying to cover ourselves up. And, and, and so again, I think 
learning to know that our identity, even after sin, even in the midst of struggle, we can come to him and we can confess, like Joe is saying, and, and know that those struggles do not define who we are. They do not define our identity. Um, so I think like Paul says here in uh, verse, verse 16, he says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I think he's talking about himself too. I think Paul recognized that he still had sin issues. He still had places in his heart and in his attitudes where he wasn't perfect. Um, he, he says in Philippians, I, I have not reached perfection yet, but I'm reaching for that. So I think Paul learned and would not regard himself according to the flesh. That means when he thought about himself and who he was, um, he didn't think of himself according to who he used to be or even according to who his soul man is, but he thought about himself according to who he was and his inner man. Um, and that's confusing, and, and it's, it's a deep, like, almost sounds like mystical, but, it, but it's, it's a reality, and we have to be praying and seeking the Lord to, to open our eyes to see this. Um, it's something that, it's a revelation that God has to give us. That's why Paul prayed in, in Ephesians. He, he, he lists to the, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, he goes through and says, this is who you are. You have this in Christ, you have this in Christ, you have this, you've been freed from this, you've been given this. But then he goes on and he says, and so I'm praying pretty much that you would understand this. I'm praying that your eyes would be open, that you would know this. This is a spiritual revelation that we have to get. Um, but when we get it, when we start to know that, that yes, I still have this part of me that, that sins and struggles, but, but I, I have this free righteousness of God. This defines who I am. And then we begin to put that on. We begin to wear that more and more to where slowly that, that old soul man who, who is the one who sins, the soul man is the one who, who has these desires and these uh, prideful emotions. We begin to put that off and put on this new man who is in us. Um, and I think I'm running out of time. So... Um, so I'll just read this, this last sentence, I think, that kind of summarizes this, um, and then we'll be done. Um, Jesus' finished work has made us totally new creations and given us a totally new identity. When you think about yourselves and consider your weakness and struggles and past failures, learn to think of yourself as being defined by who Jesus is and his overcoming, overcoming accomplishment on the cross. And... Do not think of yourself as who you are in and of yourself. Consider yourself by faith to be who God says he has made you in your spirit by Christ's life in you. This is truly the way to victory. Um, let me pray real quick. Fathers, thank you, God, that you have uh, given us completeness in Christ. Lord, that this is, a, this is a reality. This isn't just some lofty, high spiritual concept um, that doesn't apply to us, Lord, but you have made us new. You have given us life in our spirits, and uh, just help us to be putting that on. Help us to be um, knowing, Lord, the riches of, of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and the, and the fullness, Lord, that you've given us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name.
in Jesus' name.